You start first. Hey, I'm Don Zell. And I'm Ginger. And you're listening to Misplaced Life. Oh, fuck. Here we go again. God darn it. All right, one more time. Hey, I'm Don Zell. Hey, I'm Ginger. And you're listening to Misplaced Misplaced Life. Life. That was flawless. So, Don Zell. What's up? What does Misplaced Life mean? People say, so what's your podcast about? What do you say? I would say the definition of being misplaced, according to dictionary.com, is, no, I don't know the definition of being misplaced. I know you're mocking me. I know Um, you're mocking me, by the way, but that's okay. It's all right. I got thick skin. Your feelings are misplaced and misdirected at me. Uh, Misplaced life (laughs) is about unpacking all the various issues and ways that our life makes us feel out of place. We feel that something's wrong or not right or that maybe sometimes we feel we're not right. And it's about understanding that this is a journey and that all of us are human and all of us are flawed. And each day, our job is to get one step closer to being our best self. And that means putting those misplaced feelings, emotions, thoughts, attitudes, fears, putting those misplaced parts of us in check to understand that you're doing all right. You're doing the best you can. And as Dr. Maya Angelou said, when you know better, you do better. You know what I always say? What? It's kind of like the Google map of life. Oh, girl. Listen to this. Deepak gonna come for you for that. I ain't no guru. Well, I'm not a guru, but (laughs) I'm good with metaphors. (laughs) That's the Google map. Think about it. Don't count on me to get you to any destination. Well, this is my point, though. Put in the destination, and no matter how many wrong turns you take, guess what? Always gonna get to where you're supposed to be going. We're back! <laughs> yes, we are. We have a laugh. And I know that you all missed us so much. <laughs> um, seriously, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, in the course of last year, when we just got our little baby podcast up and running, we really do appreciate your support. We do hope that you will subscribe or follow or like us and keep coming back. Right, Dee? Of course. I know it's been a minute since our last episode, but... As you guys will see in today's discussion, it was a little bit of a necessary hiatus, but we are back. We are refueled and retooled and ready to rock and roll. Right, Dee? Ready to rock and roll. <laughs> um, and I think that's all the promotion that we are going to do because, Donzel, we got to talk about some serious shit today, don't we? We do. We have to talk about health, mental health. Right. I mean, you know, it's... Uh, been a lot of stuff in the news lately. I think that, you know, mental health is relative to your situation sometimes, right? Like with the Megan and Harry interview, you know, like I think everybody was really surprised at, you know, a lot of things that were discussed in that. I mean, I, I was watching it and I mean, I knew it was going to be brutal, right? You know, it's, it's going to be bad, but and we could sit here talking all day long about so many things that were brought up on that call. But I kind of want to focus on the the mental health aspect because that's what, you know, we're here to talk about today. But, you know, I think it just goes to show you that people from all walks of life, every person, anywhere and everywhere in any situation can experience some level of, of mental health, right? I mean, what do you think about her coming forward? First of all, I don't know if it was that brutal of an interview. I think they could have spilled a lot more tea. I mean, they gave us a little bit, but not sure if it was brutal. Yeah. But yeah, it was harsh. But I also know that there was a lot more that they held back. 
I respect them because they were very clear on keeping and maintaining respect for the monarchy while being honest when telling their side of the story. I think it was very brave, and I think it shows something that is a part of our reality, whether we want to accept it or not. Health is the thing that we all have to focus on to have the best quality of life that we want to have. But we make the mistake, for some reason, that we only look at health as a physical thing. I don't know why, but as a society, we don't want to face the reality that our mental health is a process. And because we can go through parts of life where everything is wonderful and you're not having a mental health issue or crisis, you forget that that's just a fragile reality. That at any moment, something can happen to you that causes something to be an imbalance or causes you to go into a dark place. Yeah. And I think, I mean, some are obviously really dark. I mean, I think that's what we learned from her is that, I mean, she was suicidal, you know. Yeah. And I commend her. The biggest thing about that is that she asked for help. Yeah, which is and also the tragedy. Yeah, that's the tragedy of it, right? Is that everything that you know you and I believe about this this issue, um, and what we'll talk about more is is the uh, you know is asking for help. I mean, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be it it doesn't have to be something so dire. I mean, you know, I feel very fortunate over the last year. I know that there's been so much tragedy and difficulty and loss and sadness for so many people, not only in this country, but all over the world because of the pandemic. I also feel fortunate in that, you know, none of my friends or family have gotten ill or seriously ill. I have not lost anybody very close to me. And I did have a family, you know, I had my husband and my two kids and we're a whole lot closer now than we used to be. Let me just tell you. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, I joke about it, but I know that, you know, some days were harder than others. But at the end of the day, I, I do feel blessed that I had someone and I had three someones. I know that I had it a lot easier than a lot of people. And even for myself, and part of the reason that we took a little bit of a break was, you know, I got to the end of the year and I think it all kind of hit me, you know, and I maybe it was the holidays was the trigger, but I got, you know, I got emotional and then I got frustrated because I felt a little paralyzed and getting all the things that I needed to get done. I mean, you know, this is obviously one of my baby creative projects, but, you know, you and I both have a lot of other stuff going on and other creative adventures. And between that and just the holidays and all of the emotional things I was going through, I just was like paralyzed. And I just wanted to kind of say thank you because when I reached out to you, I think I emailed you because it was it was way too much for a text. And you know, I can text a long text, but it was more than that. But I told you like, I'm so sorry. I hope you don't think this is because of my lack of interest of not keeping this thing going. I just, you know, and naming all the things that I just said, and you're just like, hey, don't put so much pressure on yourself. Things will get done when they need to get done and when they can get done. And you were just so forgiving and so understanding. And I have to tell you that it really like, helped me just lighten myself and my mind and everything. And then all of a sudden, when that when I was able to lift that, then I was able to like get a little bit in a better place, more balanced emotionally, mentally. And then I was able to kind of figure out a plan. And and most importantly, I stopped putting so much pressure on myself because that that's that's the career that I left. You know, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm sitting here doing the same thing to myself in this new sort of new version of Ginger and this new career that I lived and was so frustrated by in my last career in music. But I mean, that's a very long way of saying thank you, because that really was such a huge turning point for me. But the other point is that, you know, it wasn't a desperate situation, right? But I just was able to acknowledge it and reach out 
and say, I need a little help and understanding in the minute you gave that to me. And so sometimes it can be so simple, right? Mental health is not yeah. an ex- always an extreme situation, you know? Yes. And, you know, and the truth is, is you know, you're welcome, but you can say thank you to my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to talk about all does. that in a minute. Trust me. That <laughs> is one of the things that I also have been dealing with myself. And that's the, that is why mental health is important because I have been there. I have been in a situation of putting too much pressure on myself, causing myself to be in the hospital for exhaustion, literally causing Ouch. myself to be tired and falling asleep, even sometimes at the wheel of the car because I've been up too many days in a row doing work. And, you know, and, and the reality of the pressures I put on myself and then going through therapy and realizing that the only one who's putting those pressures on me is me. And you've been through it. (laughs) I've been through it. Yeah. And so because I've been through it and I've been able to unpack it, I am able to then have empathy and sympathy for someone else going through it as opposed to burying it down or covering it up or saying like, well, you'll get over it or, you know, just just push on, like keep on pushing or, you know, all those different. Why does that sound familiar from my past? Exactly. Exactly. We all had that in our past. And as I told the students last week in my, in, my, in my class, like, they are, you're smarter than me. They are smarter than me because they are a new generation. And we now know better than those before us. So why should we perpetuate the if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger mentality? Yeah. No, that's outdated. Yeah. We are, we are smarter now. We're a different evolved set of humans. Yeah. And the people underneath us are watching us. Yeah. And so what are we in there? They're watching us and they're taking just like we did with those before us. They're taking the good that we're giving them and they're looking at where we're fucking up and they're saying, you're messing up right here and this is what we're going to fix. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope, I hope that this is okay, everyone. Let's get real about mental health and how we take care of each other and the access and resources we give to care of ourselves. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, it's like back in the fall when Michelle Obama announced that she had been suffering from low grade depression. You know, I think that, you know, I admire her so much because, again, it's it's kind of like the opposite of the the Meghan Markle situation. But, you know, somebody very obviously very well known and very well respected to just acknowledge that, you know, even though it wasn't a, a serious issue, it wasn't she wasn't suicidal like Meghan Markle was. I think by people like her, you know, coming out in the public eye on social media, you know, doing an interview about it and just sort of acknowledging it, it just kind of does what you're saying. It's teaching the generations that are coming after her that this should just be a normal, acceptable topic, right? Just like you said, every other aspect of your health is mental health should not be such a taboo thing. And outside of the obvious issues that have happened over the last year that have affected both you and me, I think that we've all experienced levels of mental illness or depression in our lives. But it's only now, at least for me, not now per se, but like it took a long time before I was ever able to learn that lesson in terms of that it's okay to talk about it. Yeah. And, you know, 
we just have to commit to the phrase of when you know better, you do better. Yeah. But and, I think that people like Michelle Obama, Meghan Markle, and, you know, there's a plethora of people out there these days, whether it's, you know, mental illness or a very specific mental illness, like, you know, anorexia or, mm-hmm. you know, all of these other things. I think people are starting to become, and yes, as a society, we are all becoming more mm-hmm. open about it. And the, but the people mm-hmm. who are the, the visible people, the celebrities or the, yes. the former first ladies or, you know, yes. the Duchess of... <laughs> Well, you're seeing that you're seeing that no one's untouchable from this right. reality of mental right. health, and so yeah, the former first lady and the Duchess of Sussex. Sussex. Oh, I can't say it. Well. <laughs> I, I gave uh, up. That's why I'm not in the UK. I'm right. In LA. Uh, I don't got called no one a Duchess. Uh, we'll just uh, call her Megan. You know, <laughs> we'll call <her> Megan. <laughs> but that yeah, no, they're not untouchable. Right. You know what I mean, like. And and the thing is, is they're the ones who are coming out saying it. The thing is that, that it's not only the former, you know what I mean? It's yeah. not the former first lady going through this. It's not the former duchess, you know, it's the reality is it is people in the here and now in those current, the yeah. here and now. Yeah. Oh, did you hear my gurgle? <laughs> All right. Let it slide. All right. Sorry for my gurgle. Such a better a gurgle than a burp or a yes, true. worse. That's one thing about being southern. Yes, yeah, yes. You don't. You just hold you it in. Yeah, you, you just in you just hold it in in yeah. the south. No matter what the consequences here, not yeah. so much. Nope. There are some funny stories that I can say that you know don't make light of the the issue, but also yeah. you know we try to talk about serious stuff, but also, you know, try to keep it a little bit light. And I think sometimes in life, you kind of have to find a little humor. It's easier yes, to, it's easier is. to find it looking back at the time. Yeah. It may not be so funny, but, but backing mm-hmm. up from that is, is don't be afraid to admit to yourself and to anyone really that you need a little help. Um, I agree. I think that we have to, you know, we're all different people and we all handle things differently. And I handle things differently from you and you handle them different from me. But I think the important thing is we just have to understand that you're not alone and that you have to seek help when you are in a challenging situation. And sometimes that's easier said than done. Don't get me wrong. I'm not overlooking the pain and the challenge it is to pick up the phone and call someone. But the truth is just do it. It's hard for me when people don't look at mental health as an ongoing thing. Because that is the only reason why I am able to navigate this COVID situation is because I am an advocate of therapy. I have gone through therapy. I still go back into therapy. I'm a big advocate of making sure that I part of my self-care is taking in other resources about how to grow as a person and how to evolve myself. But That is just like any other health routine, a process. And in that process, there are ups and there are downs. I think that mental health, just like other areas of health in our life, it's not a one-time stop. It's not a quick fix. It's not, uh, you know, do this once or twice, meditate a few times, uh, listen to a couple of Oprah soul sessions, go see the therapist once, and then you're like cured or not even cured. Like you're, I don't even think there needs to be like a cure or a non-cure, right? Right. It's, It's just, it's a part of your health evolution to get better. Mental health to me is the same as your overall health. Our overall health is never 100% all the time. 
our overall health goes up and down. We get the common cold. We might get, you know, the sniffles. We might get a stomach flu. We might just be really tired. We might get a headache. We might some days be vibing and it's 100%. We feel our complete strongest. But we know that if we get a headache, drink some water, take a nap, take an Advil or an ibuprofen or, you know, our muscles are sore. We know to get a massage or do some stretching. We're used to saying, oh, something's off with my overall health. It's no shame in adjusting to get it back. For some reason, we are conditioned to believe that mental health should and always be completely in the same place of happiness and positivity all the time. And when things get off or get awry, for some reason, we think that we've now broken ourselves completely. And, and you can't be fixed. And you can't be fixed. Or now I'm going to therapy, shame on me. Like I have to now go get help. No, it's the same as if you were going to your doctor to get your checkup. Like, But there's still that, like this stigma about mental health. And I think that's the issue as much as we individually may accept that we need a little bit of help and may reach out for that help. There's just sort of like, it's, it's like this secret. It's like this thing that people don't talk about. And I think that. Because in yeah. our society, we have stigmatized mental health to mean that you are less than uh, you are somehow not efficient or you're not, you know. Um, yeah, but it's bullshit. It's complete bullshit. And it takes more people talking about it and it takes more people talking about it in a very normalized way for it to get better. And it's not going to get better if we don't talk about it, which is why we're talking about it today. For me, sometimes it's great to just have a therapist just to talk to your therapist about other stuff. It doesn't have to necessarily be an issue that you're trying it's like to prevent it's like It's like preventative healthcare. I mean, yeah. that's that's my one of my frustrations is that it's a separate thing. Like health, there's healthcare and there's mental health care. And I'm like, why is that? I mean, because our, it's it's just, I mean, even with like my insurance company, it's a whole other, you know, you have to link to it. The mental health group, you have to, and your benefits aren't as good. And, you know, your copay is different. I mean, if you You have them, by the way, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, for me, I think that that whole idea of, not being comfortable talking about mental health, not being comfortable asking for help. When I was growing up, I mean, we both grew up in the South and and had different experiences of of that upbringing and different cultures within the South. But, you know, my dad was an anesthesiologist. And when I was growing up, anything that was not, you know, any sort of professional practice that was not run by someone who had a medical degree, you know, a chiropractor, I mean, out here in California, I mean, us crazy Californians, you know, there's all kinds of alternative holistic medicine that has been available for a long time. And there, there is that now in Alabama where I grew up back in those days, which was not that long ago because I'm so young. Kidding. But just three years ago, <laughs> like five years ago. No, but like, you know, when I was growing up, you know, there was two parts to this. My father, the idea of a psychologist, they're not a healthcare professional. It's, it's almost like, it, you know, if you have mental problems there, you need a psychiatrist. My experience now as an adult and as a mother is that psychiatrists don't really provide therapy. They provide medicine. They to, that if, if what you're going through has some level of attribution to a chemical imbalance, then yeah, they'll pre- prescribe antidepressants. But not everybody who has depression or not everybody who has you know mental illness needs medication. So there is such a huge 
need. And I have had my own experiences with therapy throughout my life and various stages of my life. But when I was growing up, the idea of like, you know, psychotherapy, as I used to call it, not just therapy, it was like, you know, that it was almost like that's like, you know, the the wacky people, you know, those are the people that do that kind of stuff. Like, you know, if they're not medically licensed, if they didn't go to medical school, like they, they're not trained to deal with your issues. And it was like shunned. You know, I never even really understood the idea of like having a therapist when I was growing up. And I when I look back on my life now and think about some of the things that I went through as a kid, even God, I would have loved to have had somebody to talk to. I think it would have changed my journey, which, again, I don't want to complain about because my whole our whole point is to embrace every step of it. And I do. But there's also truth and understanding that it would have made an impact. It would have made an impact. And I think it would have definitely changed a little bit of my life. And maybe it wouldn't have taken me so long to feel fulfilled in certain aspects of my life. So there's that. I mean, and I think you have had a different experience and how you were raised, I'm not sure, but like, what were your experiences in terms of like, well, I mean, the idea of therapy, you know, the idea of therapy, unfortunately, within the black community is not a thing. We as well, especially in my family, look at it as something where something's wrong with that person and it's stigmatized and it is, it, it's looked at as if like a weakness, a weakness. Yeah. Same. And within black men in particular, they don't even talk talk about therapy there's so much but there's also so much distrust within the medical community of black in the black community so a lot of people also again you know if we go back to looking at the perfect storm in that series and how a lot of where we're at is due to lack of education lack of really educating yourself about everyone you know about the Mm -hmm. others And the black community doesn't trust the medical community. For years, unfortunately, the medical community used black people as experiments. Look at the Tuskegee Airmen, where they gave them syphilis. These were, you know, government or military soldiers that they gave syphilis to then figure out if penicillin would cure them, right? Like, then you have someone like Henrietta Lacks, who her cells are part of the reason why we have modern medicine today that's so good is because we draw from her sample of cells and she was a black woman who they took her cells and never even credited her family or gave her family monetary benefit from everyone who is across the world benefiting from this woman's cells because her cells were so powerful and they created the perfect situation for people to try experiments on. Did right? you know and that information? Did you know that when you were growing up? You you do because you learn it through black history. Right. Henrietta Lacks, I found out more as an adult because it was more of a recent story that came to fruition. But a lot of other things you find out. But only in, in black history. Yeah, I mean, just another example. My point is that just another history. example of, but yeah. it's also a, a part of American history yeah. that has not been taught, it hasn't been acknowledged, taught, taught and it, then educated. That's just one of the reasons why yeah. there's distrust there, right? Got it. And there's the other moment of distrust, which is you can't trust the medical community in America because of the money because it's a it's a it's, it's a for-profit business it's a for-profit absolutely business. and to and so in the black community the idea for many is not preventative care it's solve the problem it's ignore it ignore it try home remedies for as long as you can when you can't 
Then you go to the ER. Then you go to the doctor. Then you get these massive hospital bills. But it's because you can't really afford to go before then. And unfortunately, universal health care just came about in the last right. like, decade. But do you think that so there's two but there's two components, right? So there's obviously the mistrust. Mm-hmm. But do you think it's even accessible? I mean, not just no, a black community. It's not I'm accessible. Just to any That's part any of the distrust. It's like it's right. not accessible. Then when you do access it, it's expensive, or it, you can become a uh, um, you know a lab rat, or there's there's a lot of negative experiences behind it that come with the black mm-hmm. community and the medical community. And so all of these things only exasperate why should someone then go sit down on a couch and talk to someone or go and get antidepressants and go get medicine? Because then it's like, well, first of all, to go to the hospital is a big deal. Right. To go to the hospital for anything is a huge statement. Now you want me to just go to the hospital to talk? Right. That's not something that we were raised in my family and many families around us and not and many black people that I know. That's not something that we were raised to value. It was something that was looked at as something that wealthy white folks did. It's interesting because it's like the people who can't afford mental health care hide it and don't ask for it. And the people who need it and want it either can't afford it or don't trust it. Yeah. Or there's too many hoops to get to them. Like there's a lot of low income and and, and free counseling centers. They have nowhere to go. They have nowhere to go. And the waiting list is super long. And to get on that waiting list is a big deal. And then to get seen is a big deal. And so there's all these hoops and hurdles to jump through. So why? Why put yourself through the energy to jump through these hoops and hurdles for something that you don't believe in anyways? Your culture has raised you or your family has raised you to not value mental health. So then when you become old enough to start to make your own decisions and if you want to go to explore how to get your mental health right, there's so many Right. Even if you do ask for it, then you're like, but I can't get it or I I can't afford it it or yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I think that's why I'm I'm so happy. I mean, I'm not happy to hear that she's having a struggle, but I'm so happy to see someone like Michelle Obama speak out about mental health. And, and because I think that she can sort of, you know, symbolize the fact that it's OK to talk about it. And if other people who maybe have been in that position where they weren't, didn't want to talk about it, didn't you know admit it. I mean, again, the accessibility continues to be an issue. But if more people that can't access it are willing to admit that they need it, if maybe there will be more people accessing it because they can, right? Because there are programs that are going to be, would be put in place for them. I mean, even Michael Phelps, you know, let's kind of to flip it a little bit, you know, somebody like that who you think this guy, I mean, what is it? 25 plus Olympic medals, the kind of guy who you would look at successful athlete, Olympic, Olympic. I mean, like the cream of the crop. And yeah, I mean, all of those. Yeah. But a guy like that who to speak out about it, I think also just for, you know, black and white, every race, every community, every everything to be like, it's okay to like not be, quote unquote, mentally healthy, you know, and I think that because it's 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 more than okay, it's. It's normal. normal. It's normal to not feel normal. It's normal to not right? feel normal. And you, no one is ever going to vibrate 
at the same frequency every single day. You're going to have stuff in life, personal, professional, societal, that causes you to be off center with your mental health. I think everyone needs to have a therapist of some sort as a part of their medical team. It does not make sense to me that we have a primary care physician, a dentist, we have a barber, we have an eyebrow stylist, we have a manicurist. You have an eyebrow stylist? Yeah. Uh, we have all these things, right? Where we I can don't even have it. Hold on, stop. I don't even have an eyebrow stylist. If we have all these other things, right? So I can call you up and be like, hey, do you have a dentist that, you know, oh my gosh, yes. Or hey, I need an eye doctor. Oh, ooh, you should use my person. I'm just saying that we also, our person needs right. to also be someone in the mental field. Yeah. And the mental health field. And that should be on our list of professionals who yes. make our life the best. Some people don't care about the eyebrows. I genuinely do. And my <laughs> I do care about my eyebrows. I just didn't know I needed a special. <laughs> well, I do not have an eyebrow stylist <laughs> then. You know, uh, look, especially when you realize the older you get, you start realizing that your friends don't want to hear it. Oh God, they don't want to hear it. That's the other thing, right? It's not like, over and over and over and over. Yeah, exactly. Then you start realizing. Then I'm just like, sometimes like, well, I'm glad I'm paying for a therapist because you got to listen to me. Like, and they're not going <laughs> to tell you what you want to hear just to get you to shut the fuck up, right? <laughs> so as, as I get older, I'm realizing that's also why I love my therapist because I'm paying someone to just listen to me complain. Right. I'm just saying that our conversations about mental health need to, to be, be that easy. Easy and normal. The more we talk about the the normalcy of having a mental health care professional in your life, the better it will be. I make no secret within my friend circle that I enjoy my therapist. I enjoy the importance of having a therapist. My friends are the same way. It comes out in casual conversations. We can be talking about anything. And then one of us will say, oh, well, you know, I'm going to talk about this some more next week with my therapist. Or, you know, I was unpacking this with my therapist this week, and these are some new revelations I had. But we don't flinch about an eye. We don't say, like, wait, you have a therapist? Like, it's just common within us. And we've normalized that, and there's no stigma. And that's the same how I am in real life, even if I don't know you. But I think that 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 idea, that mentality about mental health, mentality about mental health, that's kind of funny. But I think that's the exception, not the rule. Yeah, it's the exception. Absolutely. And And it should be the rule. We should normalize this where. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing, too, which is crazy. I suffer from chronic neck and back issues. I have for about 10 years. Talk about feeling old and depressed at the same time. But it's, you know, and it, it, it is depressing. It's depressing because yes. I feel like I have the spirit of a 30-year-old in the body of a 52-year-old. I mean, and I really do. that it's okay for you to feel that way. Because then we also say, well, it's not that depressing. Like, uh, get over it. Like, there's so many, no, other people. No. How many other people have been in your situation. We throw that on people, right? No, but I'm going to get new agey on your ass for a second because yeah. it's not really new agey anymore. There have been studies over the last decade And you can, you know, if you're interested, you can find, you know, documentaries on Netflix that are, I think there's one called Heal, for example. And they're not by just sort of alternative holistic medical practitioners. There are scientists, chemists, physicists that are 
speaking out. There's been studies over the last 10 years that talk about and that address how your brain, I mean, we all know, I mean, most of us know that your pain and your pain level is really dictated by your brain, not by, you know, if you like burn your hand, you've got those receptors in your hand, but it sends that signal to your brain and then your brain determines how much pain you're in and it sends it back to your hand and then you pick it up and you say, ouch, or whatever. I mean, that's kind of simplifying a little bit and all that happens in like, you know, some millisecond of a nanosecond or whatever, you know, some immediate, right? But because they've actually been able to do brain imaging and mapping and watch how the brain is in those particular situations, they've also, I mean, I think it's called quantum physics. I mean, I'm not a scientist, but there is scientific evidence about how much your brain controls pain, especially when it comes to chronic pain. And you can, just like any other thing that you can do, whether it's physical therapy to repair a knee, like you can train your brain. You can do your own therapy for your brain in terms of managing your pain. And I think about my own self, you know, when I kind of wake up and I think, wow, how bad is my neck going to hurt today? I've already conditioned myself to know that my neck's going to hurt today, right? So there's a lot of like real scientific evidence about our pain and our brain and affecting that pain. And by the way, all that's tied into anxiety and depression. I mean, like you said, everything is interconnected. There should not be such a disconnect or a separation of mental health and physical health. And they're like, like I said, there's a lot of studies that actually prove that they're intertwined and they're connected. But for whatever reason, we keep this other piece of it, which again, our mental health could actually impact our physical health so much more than I think people realize. There's actual scientific evidence to support what you and I are talking about. And well, we don't believe in science in this country. Um, <laughs> and we here a, we go. <laughs> we have a vice president who literally went on TV and on the national TV, on national news said, we are not going to let science dictate whether we should or should not go back to school. So just anyway, so you know, like I understand yeah. the scientific evidence, but we don't believe in science here in this country, apparently. Um, but I have a question for you. When did you welcome therapy into your life? I mean, that's what's so crazy is that it wasn't even a, you know, people that I didn't know that would talk about it. It was kind of like, oh, my God. You know, it's kind of like, you know, in the South, it's all about your reputation. My mom used to always say to me. You Let's just be clear. In America, it's all about your reputation. We like to say that it's a southern thing, but it's not. Yeah, but it's, in the but it's, it's amplified. How, it's amplified it's in the south. Projected. Yeah, but it's amplified. It, you're, yeah. It's like ingrained in you as a kid. And we also like that's part of why our society is so toxic, right? Because it's about our reputation. Even on social media, how many likes can I get? That equates back Absolutely. to your reputation. How yes. many reposts do I get? That equates back to our reputation. Unfortunately, status and significance is what it's about here. And maybe it stems from the South and that's where... The well, I just think it's it is, it's more... I mean, it's, it's more... I mean... That's a true American ideal. I think it's just uh, magnified... It's magnified in the sense, in terms of my upbringing, right? Mm-hmm. I was raised with the notion of, you know, your reputation, you only have one reputation and, you know, you have to uphold that. And you have, you know, if you ruin your reputation, like shit goes south, no pun intended, really quickly. But, you know, and it kind of dictated, well, let's just be clear. We talked about this in our first episode. It dictated who we were allowed to be friends with. Like, I was not allowed to be friends with black people. Surficially, at the right place in the right time, i.e. school or school events, but they were not allowed at my house. And guess what? 
Yes, part of that could have been because my family viewed them as not acceptable friends, right? But I'm quite sure that there were probably people that would have said, not maybe not my parents, but other parents that would have said, we think it's okay for you to be friends with black people, but it's not a good look. Or it's all about the, like, they wouldn't, it would be well, like a reputation thing. Like, there's right. many, that's what Right, it so that's what I'm saying. Is it, like, even the people, like, deep yeah. down were probably okay with it. Like, yeah. they just couldn't, like, project that image that they yeah. were, like, okay with it. Because it all goes back to that whole thing about perception, reputation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in today's world, with social media, like, again... I'm not talk, talking about yeah. all that, but, you know, but we, we love when, social media. We yeah. want you to like us on our Facebook and our Instagram, by the way. But, however. <laughs> we do. Um, but let's get back on track. So when anyway. did you know, like, when did you welcome it into your life and um, own it and not have, like, a stigma of Attached it to it? Um, I would say, well, first of all, it wasn't until I moved to California and I was 26. Mm-hmm. And even then... I was here for several years, and I finally was working at a place that shall remain nameless for the moment, where I was going through a lot. I worked very closely with a very prominent, powerful person, and he was going through a lot of his own personal turmoil, and it was one of those things where I was very loyal to him, as I should be, but he wasn't great at not projecting a lot of the stuff that he was going through on me, with me. We were very close. um, And I was in some ways his confidant, even though he was my boss. But it was one of those things where it started to wear on me every day, you know, and it's, you know, it's kind of like the friend who's always telling you about all the bullshit they're going through. And at some point, you're like, I don't want to stop being their friend, but I can't can't hear it anymore. Like it's starting to make me it's really starting to affect you as if you're going through it. And so complicate that with like your job and it being your boss and like you can't really say no. I needed a place to talk about it. And it was confidential. Obviously, I was very loyal and I got tired of bringing it home. You know, Jeff got tired of hearing about it like every day. I was like, oh, my, you know, I obviously talked about it with him. He's my husband. I trust him completely. So I finally like somebody said to me, like, you maybe should just go like talk to a therapist because it was really affecting my life. In a lot of ways. Did and, you and she wasn't great. In the beginning, no, or? no, she wasn't great though. She wasn't. And I have to say, it's just like any other relationship. You got to try it out. Sometimes you walk into that room and you know immediately, uh-uh, this ain't happening. You, maybe you do the first hour of that conversation and it might cost you a few hundred dollars to find the right one. But once you do, it's amazing because yeah. it allows you to be completely open, completely honest, and to not only say things that you can't say to anybody else, but allows you to say things that you probably wouldn't be able to find the strength to even say to yourself. That's why the, that's what a therapist is so good at. They're not telling you anything. They're helping you tell yourself everything. And I, over the last, you know, over the course of my life for the last, let's say, 20 years or whatever, I have utilized therapy for myself. Even when Jeff and I were having some issues and had, we went to marriage counseling, it became, we went through it, I would say, probably for about a year. Well, we actually did it twice. Um, We're good now, people. We're good. But, you know, life has its ups and downs, and so does a marriage, you know, and add into a lot of factors of stressful jobs and kids who, you know, are not stressful, but like the combination of all the things that were going on in our life. It was hard on our relationship. But I just remember we, it became, a plate instead of being a place for us to sort of like try and heal and work things out, it became like a boxing ring. 
And I'll never forget, you know how like you ever heard that thing like, oh, wait till your father gets home and here's what you did today. Mm-hmm. It kind of became that for me and Jeff when it came to our, our, our therapist. I'm going to call her like Dr. Jones. But like it'd be like, oh, really? Like, just wait till fucking Tuesday and I can tell Dr. Jones what you just said. Like it became like another place for us just to fucking yeah. fight. And um, it's kind of a funny story, but like we had gone for over a year and we had, it'd be like three steps forward, five steps back, you know? And finally, after about a year, we had been kind of doing good and then shit went south, really south. And we go there and it's like, she literally looked at us and was like, oh, yeah, I, mm, I just don't really know what else I can do for you guys. <laughs> and it was like... I th- yeah, I mean, it was like the white flag went up, and we. Yeah. And it, I mean, and I would imagine that's not something that any really amazing therapist does very often. And I, she was amazing, right? Yeah. But we left, and we each went and did our own therapy and our own work individually, and that's what saved our marriage. Because again, I don't think marriage therapy works if you aren't where if you're not healthy as an individual. Right? How can you connect with someone well, when you're not connected? The but nothing the f- works if you're not healthy as an individual. Right. Any relationship, any career, any friendship, anything in your life, if you want it to truly work and truly be this successful and whatever success means to you in that area, you yourself has to be, you have to be healthy right. and whole. And you have to understand that it's a give and take. It's an up and down. And in order to get healthy and whole, you get there, but you don't stay there. And it's not just a, a pill. Thing. And it's not just yes. a pill, right? Yeah. Um, just to kind of get back, just because there's even a funnier part of that story. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Cut to maybe it had been like two, maybe three years, but I think maybe two years. James started school and we go to the parent orientation first night, whatever. And I'd gone off to look up something or find someone about something. And Jeff was, we were kind of separated. And all of a sudden I walk up to him and like that therapist, the white flag therapist was standing there talking to him. And he was like, look who I ran into. And I'm like looking at her and you know, like sometimes context is so, when it's out of context and I'm looking at her like, I know I know you and I'm just going to smile and like pretend that I know you. But like in my head, I'm like, well, I have no fucking idea. And I'm like, Hey, how are you? And I'm obviously she's a therapist. So she read right through me. She's like, Dr. I was like, yes, of course I know. How are you? And like bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. But she just had that look on her face and I looked at her, I go, yep, believe it or not, we're still together. (laughs) Like, you know, she's like, well, I, I wasn't, I didn't really know, but I saw Jeff and you weren't with them. And I was kind of looking around. I was like, I'll bet you were, <laughs> you know, after that last session. But again, I mean, in all seriousness, you know, you can't marriage. I mean, I, I really believe in marriage therapy. And it, listen, doing that exposed our problems, which our problems were ourselves. What do you feel are, do you feel like there is anything from your sessions from whether it be individual or marriage that you've gained tools from that session on how to continue to navigate life in general? How have you been able to maintain things that you've learned? You know, the thing is like, I don't necessarily know if there's one thing, I mean, again, cut to, I spent, when I left my last job, my contractual job in music, and I went on this, you know, four-year journey 
to get to where I am now mm-hmm. and sort of rediscovered this creative soul. I do think back to that I had a different therapist who was amazing. I like it's so hard because I so want to be friends with her. I so want to because I think she's awesome. But I also know that at some point in my life, I may need to go back for a tune up. And I don't want to compromise that because if I cross that line, then I don't get to go back. Right. But I know she's a big fan of mine. I would say that the most important thing is that any really great therapist will help you see yourself. And when I started this podcast and I started on this sort of like chapter two at 52, I sent her info and I, I little, I'll send her little updates with so much gratitude because she knew that I was an artist. Like she saw everything that I've lived Mm -hmm. since that, since that time, but she couldn't tell me. And I would say the, I guess if in to try and encapsulate it is that they help you find your answers for yourself. They don't teach you the answers. They know the questions to ask you to lead you down that path. Just like I look at, so much rejection that happened to me when I was trying to find that next job in music yeah. and the depression, talk about depression and frustration and feeling like what the fuck was that 20 plus years worth? Yeah. When I figured it all out, it all made sense. But if you would have tried to tell me what that answer was going to be, if you tried to tell me where I was going to be and how it was all going to work out, I wouldn't have believed you. Because it's all about the journey. It's all about the process of discovery. And if you don't discover it for yourself, and that's what I think therapists are. They're kind of like the, you know, if you're doing the marathon, they're the people standing on the side, shaking your hand, giving you the high five and handing you a water bottle and helping you stay on, you know, keep on track or find the right path or keeping you energized or keeping you hydrated and keeping you going. And that's what they do. And how, I mean, you don't need a medical degree to do that. You need the ability to listen. You need the ability to understand. I mean, obviously there's, you know, people that have doctorates in psychology. There's obviously, there's someone with a degree. No, no, no. But if you don't get a degree, you better go through through some type of training and have a certified (laughs) certificate. I'm not just about to pick up the phone and call you and talk to you because you say you're a therapist now because you can listen. No, but what I'm saying is, but you have to, that's where it starts. But then to be able to yeah. like, but to be able to know what to do with that information and give it back in a way that will help you guide yourself. Yes. We use psychology in our lives every single day. I use it with my kids all the time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you like tell them what they can't have yes. or tell them what they can have so they won't want what they can't have or vice versa or whatever. Um, yeah, but totally let me, I want to hear about you. Like, have you had experiences uh, yourself? My- journey to therapy was you know also in my late 20s I think um I went through a breakup and you know just kind of spiraled me as some breakups do where you you know you go into depression and you get sad and you know you think the world is over and all of that good stuff and I had a great friend circle who really supported me and then one day my friend circle just one of them close to me called me out and said hey it's no longer about the breakup anymore. There's something deeper. There's something else going on and you're not telling us. And that's the good part of a therapist, right? Is that friend could recognize there's something deeper going on and you're holding it back. And I don't know how to bring it out of you, but I know that you're holding something back. 
So you need to go see the therapist where you can feel safe to say what it is that's holding you back or that they can ask the right questions because they see right through you, right? And since then, you know, the beginning of that journey was all about the recovery of the breakup. But then after that, it was like, oh, you know what? Actually, I really like this. I really like unpacking my stuff, my issues, and like really walking in here and laying it out all on the table. It got to the point where like when the session was up, I would be like, oh, wait, no, we're <laughs> it's done. Kind of, it's oh, kind of addictive, gosh. right? Yeah. Oh, man. I know. I was really, you know. <laughs> so, um, but now since then, it is. It's It's about, you know, sometimes I just have a conversation about life. And then other times, like, you know, let's talk about this particular thing that's bothering me. Sometimes it's not even a, ba- a big thing. Sometimes it's a, you know, how do I approach someone in, uh, how do I approach my, approach my boss for a, a raise? You know what I mean? Like, well, why are you afraid to approach your boss for a raise? You know, those are questions that the therapist will help you unpack. And, and so I definitely was one of those who was resistant to try it in the beginning. You know, you should go see yeah, a therapist for it, this. It was no, taboo in your world, right, exactly. when you are growing up. Yeah. And then after I did it, I was one of those things where it was like, oh, wow, why am I just fine? Why did I out? wait so long? Why did yeah, I wait same. so long? And now I can't imagine not having that therapist as a part of my team. I have my dentist. I have my primary care physician. I have my therapist. You know, I have my chiropractor. You have all these people that you put on your team. You got your eye doctor. Why is there not a therapist on your team? I'm so happy there's a therapist on my team now. But I can't lie and say that it was easy to find I can't lie and say that it was easy to go. None of that. It wasn't easy to go. It wasn't easy to find the right one, like you said. And and also, I had to figure out what what did I want in a therapist. It was important to me that I had a person of color as my therapist. And yeah, I wanted I wanted a woman. Yeah. yeah. Or if it wasn't a person of color, they had to be from the LGBT experience. But when I first started going to therapy, I didn't know I even had those options. And then after a year of doing therapy, and then when I'm, you know, I took a break, and then my therapist moved, and then I had to find another one. That's so hard. Back. That's so hard. Yeah, but I was able to come back to it with a more empowered position and say, oh, wait, you know what? Now that I know the true value of therapy, I want to make sure that, you know, that first one I got was really lucky that it worked out. But now I want to really make sure that I specifically pick someone from a background that gets me it's kind of like dating yeah. <laughs> you learn from your mistakes yeah. right and that therapist, she was great she was really really solid yeah. and she was just really good but it also felt good to then have the comfortability of a therapist who understands you know that first therapist she was a, a woman of color she was a black woman so it was really great and she there were moments when she was talking to me as like a therapist and then there were moments when she would talk to me like the black mothers in my life, like yeah. my mom, my grandmother, my mm-hmm. aunt, the old church lady, where she knew when to bring out that side, right? Mm-hmm. That wouldn't have come from a white therapist. Right. Not saying that a white therapist isn't good. A white therapist is awesome. But I do know that being in that moment, her being, this is a black man, I'm a black woman, and there's a common language there, and there's a common shared experience. And she knew when to bring out that black mama. 
And I knew when I needed to really stop avoiding or dodging and sit still and listen, right? Right, 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 (laughs) Because she could sense like, oh, she even said to me (laughs) once, I remember it was my Oh, no, 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 Donzel. She was like, okay, (laughs) hold up, my brother. I'm going to stop you right there. And I was like, but I'm not just, she's like, no, you don't speak another word. And I was like, but I am, and you know, but she. Would you talk to your mama like that? Exactly. (laughs) But, you know, she knew at that point, we also had a a healthy relationship as client therapists, right? Right. It had been months too. Yeah. But she knew the card to play she knew what you she, she and when to I play it that's what's so key yeah absolutely and i remember that was one of my biggest breakthroughs uh-huh yeah, that was one of my biggest breakthroughs she said stop right there she said stop right there hold up my, my brother <laughs> stop right there i'm gonna tell you something <laughs> awesome i mean and you but, know what that there's a time you know we talked we've the last few episodes about the perfect storm and we you know they're very like racial, very heavy racial conversations. But there, there is something to be said. It's okay to have familiarity in terms yeah. of a culture and a race, right? Yeah. And that's okay. Like, it's okay for me to say, I would like to have a white female therapist, yeah. which has nothing to do with, I think white therapists are better than black therapists. Do you know exactly. what I mean? And it's like, there's a, there's a time and a place where it's okay to just embrace your culture and your race. And I don't think this is a intimate and understand. I mean, because we, our lives, like we talked about in our first episode, we grew up in very similar areas, but our experiences were very different. And I don't want to explain to my therapist. Right. There are situations and that, and then keep in mind this taking a risk, even by going to a a black therapist, right. Where, who knows that she really is going to get the struggle, quote unquote, right? More than likely she will, right? But who knows? Yeah, that, you never my know. My therapist could have been Candace Owens sitting across the desk from me. Oh, now, God. I had Candace Owens. Can we just not even? Girl. Uh, go, no. You know what I mean? But yeah. I don't want to explain. Ex, uh-uh. And that's happened Bonk. when I've gone no. to the doctor. When I've definitely gone to the doctor and I haven't had a doctor who either has had gay clients or is gay. There's definitely times where I've had to explain to the doctor and educate the doctor, my primary care physician, on what it means to really have a gay client, right? And those are annoying moments when you're like, wait a minute, you're the healthcare In 2000 and 2020, why, why do you have to explain that? But to- it still happens. And I just had a friend who <sighs> also told me an experience she had with the doctor where she had to like check the doctor and, and explain certain things. Was that, this the thing you were talking about the last time you were here? Yeah, but it extended a little further. Okay, wait. Yeah. Um, Offline I mean? conversation. Yeah, but you know, and I, and, but that's the truth. Like we know that every professional in any industry, I'm not shaming medical. No, but any industry, any industry, everyone is not exceptionally up to date and exceptionally good. But that's on and them to, to that's do the, on them do the to profe- do that. That's what professional but development also, is all about. We can't go into situations. I was just always raised by my grandparents that you have to not always give your complete trust to someone else. My grandparents were really big in the church where if the pastor is preaching that day, just because he said this in the sermon doesn't mean you believe it. You better go home and you better reread and research and come to the truth of what you believe yourself. I was really taught that, right? So I don't trust, and I don't mean this out of that way, but I don't trust any professional. I don't care who you are, even if you're President Obama. I'm going to fact check you myself because I was taught and raised that I need to know 
for my own security, my own safety, what the truth of the situation is. So I don't go into the doctor's office uninformed and then walk out with misinformation if I have a bad doctor. I And if I get misinformation or information that makes me raise an eyebrow, like sometimes I've got an outdated information. I'm like, "Mm, you know, I don't really think that that's the case anymore, right? And that's the situation with my therapist. I don't want to be with a therapist who, when I start to talk about the issues that bother me as a black man in America, that they're looking at me being like, oh, yes, I just read the book, How to Talk to... Uh, uh, how to talk to how to talk about racism? Like, okay, well, girl, I'm somebody's going to write it if they haven't already. Right? You know that, right? I'm glad you just got to the struggle. I'm glad you now know there's a racism problem. Yeah, move on but, to chapter five, right? I don't need to be explaining what this means. And same with being gay. Like, I don't want to have to explain to a therapist what gay culture is like. So that's why I want a therapist who comes from gay culture. So that way, when I start to talk about these things. They instantly know. Right. And that's the king. That's the case with familiarity. That's the yeah. case with wanting a woman. That's the case with wanting. Whatever. You know, yeah. Uh, uh, a religious therapist. Some yeah. People are like, no, I'm really Christian. I want a Christian therapist. Yes. You need to know those standards of what you want in your therapist. Yeah. Because you're going to have some deep, intimate, vulnerable conversations with them. And you got to make sure that you have someone you trust. Yeah. If you are. And not trust in the sense of like confidentiality trust, but just trust in terms of like you can ex- they can understand share and share and then they'll be able to use that though and help yeah, you. Because right? they're also human. Yeah. Right? Like they are also yeah. flawed humans themselves. And just because they say they are a therapist doesn't mean that they're going to not judge. Well, nobody's perfect. Mean, nobody's I mean, that's the whole perfect. point in all this. Nobody is perfect. Nobody, yeah. by the way, nobody should strive to be perfect. My one thing perfect. I always say with my kids, my entire like life as a parent has it always been, I would, you know, a lot of people are like, oh my God, that's perfect. And then I'll be like, you know what? It's almost perfect. Cause you know what? Nothing is perfect, Nothing's perfect. but it's perfect for me. It's perfect. For it's, me. Perfect for me. it's perfect for me. And I've, all, it's moment. been a thing with me. Like my, as, like I said, I, cause it bugs me so much because I, because they're little, like, you know, they, and I don't want, I never wanted them to grow up with this idea of like things having to be perfect. Yeah. Right. And I'd be like, oh my God, like it's, it's so close to perfect, but I mean, it's perfect for me, but you know what? Nothing is perfect. I know it's like a weird thing because you hear no, parents agree. say that I'm all the time. Oh my God, it's perfect. And like nothing is, per- you can't say that, you can't say something like, you can't say, look, it's perfect. Yeah. And then try to teach your kids the concept that like nobody's perfect. Yeah, you can't talk about stuff being perfect. I agree. One thing I wanted to mention, sidebar, mm-hmm. there's this company, it's been around for I think a couple of years. It's an app. A mental health app. They just got $50 million in funding with, I think, Cigna and Kaiser. And I think another investor was one of the guys who runs LinkedIn. And it's a mental health app. And because of everything going on with the pandemic and everything else that's been going on the last few months, they've seen like an uptick of 80%, I think, in terms of daily usage, 150% and just accessibility by their members. So people, you know, 150% are, you know, more people are accessing it and they're seeing 80% daily higher usage. Can I just tell you what the name of the app is called? Oh, of course. I might need to It's called Ginger. 
love that they chose If you don't Lady believe Ginger. me, you can Google it. It's, oh, um, I thought that's kind of funny. I think that's cute. But yeah, I mean, you know, and it's it's important as adults, but also, you know, you had asked me a minute ago about when I came to understand therapy or the importance of that. And But as a parent, there's been times in my life and even with my children, I've always been very open and honest with them in terms of if there is a need for outside help, then we get it, right? For whatever the reason. And, and I have to say, if it's a moment of when. When, and absolutely. And, and by the way, and I'm not talking specifically to my children, mm-hmm. but just families that I know and other parents, you know. For all of us. But there's, there's you know, there's been moment. such a, you know, there's been such a shift because I think of scientific advancements and, mm-hmm. and medicine. People are much more informed about very specific things that kids can happen, whether it's. ADHD or anxiety or depression even, because we're much more aware of those things existing early in life. So I think it's our duty as parents to acknowledge that and inform our children that they have choices. Because sometimes you don't want to talk to your parents about things, whether it's, and it could be a kid who is suffering from depression, or, and by the way, it could be a kid who's being bullied. The reality is, Sometimes it's the kids who are doing the bullying that need the help. Because if you look, if you really, I think, did a study on the kids that are the bullies themselves, there is some underlying reason, whether it's abusive situations, whether it's neglect, whether it's just whatever. There's something there that's making them lash out through violence. Right. And so therapy, I think the idea of mental therapy for kids, I think is just so important. I know that I've accessed it for my family. Look. There are even pet therapists. I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying, there's a, you know what I mean? Like, it's just uh, the reality. I mean, is you're, I mean, and by the way, like, I will embrace that if I need it, but it's hard. It's hard. That it is necessary. Yeah, there's no there, insurance for that. No, there, I'm just kidding. I'm, <laughs> I don't need it, thankfully. But I do even see moments, though, even with my little kid in, when he gets sad because I won't play with him. And he's not under any, you know, I'm now trying to get him to understand that I can't always be there to play with you, right? Because he only sees me and he knows me and he's been with me since he was like five weeks old. So he really thinks like I'm his his dad and like he wants to always be with me. And do they have therapy moment, for cats? I've heard it for dogs, but they have it for cats too. Uh-huh. Okay. But you know what I mean? But like, that's the thing is like, but they also have doctors for animals, right? They're called vets. It's just, it blows my mind how. We take this, this little piece of it and we separate it. Yeah, separate no, absolutely. It. So of course kids need therapists. Of, if adults need it, of course kids need it. But you want to talk about something if even more taboo. Need it, but, of course kids need it, right? Like, But that's even more taboo with parents. Yeah. Like the, oh, I know. To admit know. that their child is like in quote-unquote yeah. therapy. therapy. I know. There's a so sad. It. It's, it's so, so sad because it can like, help it them so much. no sense to me. There's no age where it's like, well, son, now you are 27. This is the age when you get to go find <laughs> your first therapist. Like... <laughs> No, that kid may have needed the therapist when they were five. And it's okay. Take them to the therapist. 
So maybe that, they would they, be so fucked up at 27. Exactly. Or when they are 27, they're going through something else that's bothering them. Or they could handle it. They all kidding aside. It, yeah. Because they had the they tools. they know to go see another therapist and it not be shamed. Right? Right. They will not let it go so far where it becomes a risk to themselves. They'll say, oh, I need to go back to yeah. get my checkup. I need to go see my therapist. I need to get myself right. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, my grandmother used to say that, get your mind right. Yeah. Like, and she would say it not as in a mean way, like in, in a very loving, joking way of like, you got to get your mind right. Yeah. And that's part of what helps you get your mind right. Now, she wouldn't have told me to go see a therapist, you know. But the idea things, was there, as, right? You know, the idea was there, such as for her prayer or reading the Bible. because you, know, you just get right with roller. Jesus and you'll be you know, fine, yeah, Donzel. roller and, you know, but also it was about like eating right with her. And it was about like also what were my creative activities after school. Those are all things that she would help me unpack to say like, you got to get your mind right, right? Yeah. And that's essentially what a therapist does yeah. is they're helping you figure out you got to block here how do we get over this blockage is it medicine is it not medicine is it adding something like meditation into your life is it not and every person is different and you might need one or two or three different things yeah but we got to get your mind right and there's nothing wrong with getting your mind right there's no shame in that i love california and you know some people from where i came from may not you know they may think we're all a bunch of crazy you know nut jobs out here but they do I know. It's okay. But you know what? I will say this. When my kid, my teenager, goes to his checkups, his yearly checkups at his pediatrician, they give him a survey that he fills out all by himself, and it asks them, "Are you? do you have feelings of depression? At least they're trying, I mean, even though it's his pediatrician, at least they're trying to, die, you know, at least question yeah, and try and check in on the, the mental door. health, right? And open the door for that. Now, they wouldn't treat it, but they, you know, they have their own yeah. affiliation. That's another issue. And you got to have an HMO or PPO or. Yeah, it goes back to the other accessibility. Um, I mean, it, yeah. it goes back to the accessibility it issue. But like, I can tell you this, right? Like, yeah. I never had a fucking pediatrician ask me that question ever yeah. in my life, right? And the, yeah, and at, you know, at elementary school at Walgrove, you know, um, Michelle Dean, who I think went on to get her went back to school after her kids were older and got her uh, graduate degree in psychology and is now a, a practicing therapist. Yay, Michelle Dean. Um, but there was a lot, you know, um, you know, Shaka Foreman, right? We love Shaka and and Leela, his wife, you know, they 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 volunteer, you know, a lot of the parents in, in schools here, public schools volunteer they had they came in and they had you know meditation and yoga and they had you know Michelle ran like a kind of like a they called it council which was basically you know the circle time where they get in and they have the talking piece and they pass it around and they talk about feelings and it's it's not therapy but it is therapy it's therapeutic for the kids right and Shaka started a restorative justice program at Mark Twain and I know that right. the idea of talking about feelings and trying to solve problems without just like oh you fucked up and oh you're punished but to even bring those kids into a safe environment and have them really sort of talk about these conflicts even that in and of itself is a huge step. And I don't know if that's going on in other states and other places, but I'm very grateful. And I think I see so many kids. I've seen it in my own experiences, just being around it. I see so many of those kids embracing that. And I think sometimes they crave that safe space. And like you said, even if it's not, you know, I think sometimes as parents, the idea of therapy, like when it gets to like, you know, crisis, you know, 
But sometimes kids just need somebody to talk to that's not a parent, that's not a teacher, that's not a friend. And that's where it has to start, right? We have these things in us that we have to unpack, and we don't always know how to unpack them. And we don't always know that it's okay to unpack them. Exactly. And having that person, whether it be as a kid or as an adult, having that person help you unpack it is priceless. There's no, it it could be counsel, it could be group therapy, it could be one-on-one, it could be couples therapy, just having that person, that outlet to help you unpack is powerful. There are hotlines out there, the National Suicide Hotline, there's the Trevor Hotline for LGBT youth, uh, for suicide prevention, and National Suicide Prevention Hotline, excuse me, let me say that correctly. You know, there are local numbers to call, you call a friend if you can, call a family member if you can, Um, there are apps on our phone for mental health, you know, there are meditation apps that are great to help us, you know, mentally vibrate high, there are YouTube videos that you can listen to for like picking up your attitude, have a dance party, put on some good music, call up a friend, like put the alcohol down, put the drugs down because it's not going to do anything but make the thing that is going on in your mind worse, right? So try to stay away from those things. Go for a walk outdoors, go run around. Like it's going to help you. I want you to know, what is it, you, everyone listening, I want you to know that you are more in power than you are disempowered. You have more power than you think, even in that situation that looks or seems powerless. Yeah. So thanks, Michelle Obama. Yes. We appreciate you. For helping. For so many things more than just that. I know. I know. Did you see her documentary on Netflix? I have not watched it yet. You read the book though, right? No, I didn't finish it. I love her. I love her too. I just didn't finish her book. Okay. (laughs) I, I didn't, I wasn't, did I reprimand you? Not but at all. Is that you, your Michelle. is that your own insecurities over there talking? Do we need <laughs> to talk so about this? Knows. Do so we need to talk about like, this, Duncell? Yeah, because they're gonna be like, "Why didn't you?" Finish <laughs> I, I didn't. I you didn't even. You could have. You could have just want, lied. You could have just lied. I want. I know. I could have. <laughs> I started a fiction. I was reading that. You know, becoming, and then a very fun fiction book dropped in my lap, and I started reading that. That's okay. I wasn't judging. That's your own. Do you need to see a therapist about your insecurities? No, maybe about the book I'm reading. (laughs) Ooh, okay. On that note, I think we're going to end this. (laughs) We're going to shut the microphones off, and then you're going to tell me about that book. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time. Yeah? Yes, until next time. Until next time. I was like, wait, is there supposed to be a catchphrase here? We don't have a catchphrase at this point. Until next time. Until next time. Stay safe. Yes, stay safe. Stay healthy. And, and if you need a therapist, say so. Psychology.com. Psychology.com. It's a great place to start to okay. find Okay. Awesome. All right. Bye, Bye, y'all. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Please feel free to follow, subscribe, comment, rate, whatever your feedback. Just know that we appreciate it and we will always take it into consideration, even if we don't like it. Right? Yes. (laughs) 
Of course we'll take it into consideration <laughs> because that's what this podcast is all about. We understand that we are two people who are sharing our perspective and we want to hear your perspective. So don't be afraid to share your truths with us because your truths are not the only truth that belong to you. I'm pretty sure other people feel the same way and we need to talk about it if we want to get over the things that bother us. So definitely reach out, stay connected and be an active part of our misplaced community. Thanks, y'all. All right, bye now.